commuting in Chicago. If you're stuck, stick with Waddle and Sylvie. Weekdays 2 to 6. 2023, a momentous year. The year ESPN 1000 turns 25. A quarter century spent with Chicago sports fans. And a lot of great moments through those 25 years. In conjunction with those great moments, we had to find a great partner, and so we did. Great Clips presents the 25 greatest moments in Chicago sports during the history of ESPN 1000. Number two. All right, so uh, I think this one was the toughest. Like, um, I think uh, I I don't have the list in front of me. Charlie, do you have the list? Did uh, Tyler send you the list? I didn't get one. I can grab one shortly. Uh, Yeah, grab the – I think the – I'm trying to think of the White Sox or the Blackhawks in 20 uh if the 2005 White Sox or the 2010 Blackhawks were 3. Why I thought it was you, the Blackhawks. Was the Blackhawks number I 3 thought it and, was. and the White Sox 4? Is that it was the, the Kaner goal, right? The Kaner goal. Um I thought it was. I, I forgot yeah, it. Yeah, Kane was 3, the White Sox were 4. White Sox were 4. So um I think it was over the drama basically that the White Sox won uh in a sweep fashion and the dominance of that eleven and one run, um, and the Blackhawks ending their uh, big drought were number three and winning it in overtime and in a game six and and where was the puck and the confusion and everything like that. That was number three. So and those could have shook out. You know, those even you could have argued um, could have been two or one or whatever. In any other sports town as well. But this one, really, we had trouble coming down. At least me more so. But not as much for you. Yeah. Number one was easy for me. Okay. So this is what we chose. And again, um, the basis of this is we're celebrating our 25-year anniversary. We went on the air in October of 98. October 1st of 98, I think, was the first official day of ESPN 1000. But for our purposes, we allowed anything that happened from the beginning of 1998 on um, till now uh, on this list. Or not till now, basically. I think it was till the end of 2022 or whatever it was. And, and basically, that's how Carrie Wood... And the 20 strikeout game got on the list because that would remember was in May of 1998. So there were other things that had happened before the station actually started. We said we're going to start it just from calendar year 1998 on. So let's go back to 1998. And that will be number two on our list. Pippen into Jordan. Brings them to within one. They scored within four seconds there. That's how quickly that changes now. Now it puts the pressure on the Jazz to score once again. Jordan with 43. Malone is doubled. They swat at it and steal it. 
Here comes Chicago. 17 seconds. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. Timeout, Utah. 5.2 seconds left. Michael Jordan running on fumes with 45 points. At the end of the game, you got to get it out of his hands. He's beat you so many times. You watch Jordan play, Doug, and you know that at the end of the game, he's a killer. This was really the play that hurt Isaiah because they scored so quickly. Michael got in there and scored within four seconds. And what, and what happened was Michael doubled back. You're going to see he's in the play. Look where Hornacek is setting the screen. Michael never clears, so Malone doesn't see him. He comes from the blind side and strips him. So three crucial plays here by Michael Jordan now as he gets Brian Russell with a quick crossover. Look at Brian Russell slips, and Michael pulls up and buries the shot to give him a one-point lead. If they don't, for the second straight year, they go out in six. Stopped it. Harper's on it. Behind the screen. Harper got a piece of it. It comes off. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship. And it's their second three-peat. I was lucky enough, Waddle, to be there at the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, to experience that. I think Joniak, who is on, I think, after us today, was with me. I think we sat next to each other in the that where upper... you stole the jail pack, too? Uh, that was in 97. Okay. Yeah, that was the same building. Yeah. It was the year before for the sick game when I stole the oh, jail pack. Right. In this night, I stole a champagne cork. Well done. From the last, uh, the last dance and the last championship. And then... I uh, booked uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. I handed a phone to Jerry Reinsdorf, and I gave it to him. for. I don't know if you were on with Cap that day or if you were off, but I know Cap was broadcasting for GN that night on Sports Central, and I, I got Reinsdorf on the air on the floor of the Delta Center that night as I was still working down the dial before I came over to ESPN 1000. And you know, I mean, all of all of that you just heard is from a sports perspective is is, is – so incredible. Do you know what? I'm weird. You know I'm weird. Do you know what I took from that as much as anything from listening to that sound? That Doug Collins and Isaiah Thomas were on the broadcast? That Doug Collins, remember how damn good he was. Doug's so good. Doing games. Doug was as good as any Anybody. analyst Anybody. ever. He was on NBC. Yeah. He then did a TNT for so many years. He was as good as any analyst on television. Like, listen, I don't want that to overshadow the accomplishment uh, on the court. And the here's our number two moment. But, listen to how good Doug. But, but you was. know what? It, when I hear these things and go back in time, it's like when you play the hockey highlights and you hear Doc Emmerich and sure. Eddie, and you're reminded. Your yeah, it's part. That's why the broadcast team. 
as much as we want to say it's subjective and everything else, it it does play an enormous role well, in the memory of all, all, all of these moments. See, it's funny because when I heard Isaiah, and remember, I was covering this team, so I never watched these games because I was on the Bulls beat. Right. I, I forgot that Isaiah was doing the national broadcast, and it jogged my memory on how much I hated Isaiah. <laughs> Um, it's a strong word. But again, like, and so you know now what number one is going to be. Of and course. a lot of people argue, well, look, this is the greatest player of all time. It's the last dance. It's their last championship. And it's arguably, think about, and Doug pointed this out, it's not just the last shot. It's not just the 45 points. Think about that last minute of basketball. What Michael did, they were trailing in that game, and he went for the two-for-one. He made the driving layup. He came back down, stole it from the Hall of Famer Carl Malone, took it down the length of the court, and then pushed off just a little bit on Brian Russell and nailed the game-winning shot. As Doug said, those are three, not one, not two, but three huge plays in that game in the final minute to win their sixth championship. I mean, it's as great of a last minute of a basketball game as any player can ever have. No doubt. No doubt. And I think that the reason why it wasn't hard for me was because you take Michael Jordan's greatness for granted at times. And by you, I mean most people. Not you in particular, but like I take it for granted just how fantastic he was. So... By the time you're winning your sixth title, it's almost as if, yeah, we've seen this before. You're the best ever, but we've seen this before. And what's number one is something that n- nobody had seen before unless you were a million years old. Yeah, I mean, it, we were so conditioned, and, and, and even despite Chicago, the city of Chicago's lack of success before Michael came around, whether it's the 85 Bears and before that it wasn't the, the 63 Bears hadn't. Like the last championship before that was the 63 Bears. So the Cubs had a long drought at, at, at that time. That the White Sox were in the middle of a long drought at that time. Like there was all this lack of success. The Blackhawks had a long drought at that time. We got used to, and this is another reason of taking Michael for granted, that no matter how crappy things looked, that you were down late in Utah, that you knew Michael was going to bail you out, that it was like a fairy tale where, you know, every fairy tale you you read when you were a child and it ended with, and they lived happily ever after? Yep. Those were the Michael Jordan Bulls. That's why I'm saying, like, it wasn't hard for me to make my decision as to what number one was, and maybe it was just a result of what you just described for me. And then the most ironic part of all of that was, even though the game ended with living happily ever after, we soon found out with the last dance that nobody lived happily ever after. Scotty hates Michael. Those guys don't get along. They all hated Jerry Krause. Like, it's incredible on just what has happened to the relationships on that team. No doubt. No doubt. But, uh, like... Iconic. 
Yeah, it, you walk down memory lane. It's it's good to hear. This has been an ex- a good exercise for me because my memory is not nearly as good as yours, especially when it comes to sports. So this you know this has been an opportunity for me to kind of relive some of the stuff that obviously got away from me or I don't remember well. It was just and and and, and but you did you did your memory got jogged with the last it dance does. like yes. like in, in the during COVID the last dance provided us with. The sports that we needed, the watching that we needed, and it, it reminded people like I, Charlie, you're not old enough. You you weren't alive during this. No, I was born. It was funny, yeah, because I was born in 1999, and we're doing the last 25 years, and there's so many Jordan shots, obviously. And I'm thinking like, which? Well, the last 25 years, 1998. But yeah, I wasn't even I wasn't even alive then. And so all like the last dance probably educated you on a lot of all this it did and so there so my dad is a jazz fan because he's from utah oh my goodness and he he said he called my uh my mom's brother to gloat after the the jazz had won one i think it was game three or four or something like that and uh my uncle got really mad and then uh, the aunt, uh, my aunt told him to call back and apologize to my dad because he snapped at him over this uh, over my dad's gloating about the jazz. <laughs> um, so, like, the cool thing for me, the experience that I got to live through and how lucky I was, is I grew up in uh, my grandfather originally. I've told this story many times. My grandfather uh, uh, was a big basketball fan. And he was an inaugural Bulls season ticket holder in the 1966-67 season when the Bulls started their first NBA season uh, in the International Amphitheater on the south side of Chicago. And then they eventually moved to the Chicago Stadium. And I grew up in the 70s going to games, and we had floor seats. And not because floor seats were like this VIP treatment. Mm -hmm. It's because there were 3,000 people at the Chicago Stadium in those days. Nobody went to Bulls games in the late 70s after the Dick Mata years. And uh, eventually, when the Bulls got good again, my uncle took over those tickets. And my uncle would work night and day. He would go to work at like 4.30 in the morning. So he wouldn't want to go to weeknight Bulls games. So he would allow me growing up in high school to go to all these Jordan Bulls games with my grandfather. So I How like lucky my, were you lucky yeah like l- one of the luckiest kids around my senior year of high school in 1989 I went to 39 out of 41 wow. Bulls regular season games 39 out of 41 that's crazy and um, so I grew up like this Bulls sycophant it's it's the reason why like a lot of people say wow the, the Bulls could be your bigger number one than the Bears or the Cubs. And it's because I grew up going to all these games in the 70s and then the 80s. And then Michael comes along, and I'm living at the Chicago Stadium witnessing this and the climb through the the late 80s trying to get over the Pistons and then eventually winning in 91. And then so I've got this front row seat in these great seats watching the Bulls. And then I graduated college in 93, and I lived through the first dynasty as this fan. And then I, I, I start my job in, um, at WGN Radio in 1995 in February, and Michael's playing baseball. And he returns in March of 95, and now I start covering the Bulls as he comes back. So for the first three, Pete, 
I'm Bulls fan, Sylvie. For the last three, Pete, I'm Bulls reporter, Sylvie. In the last so, three years, you've been red-ass, Sylvie, about yeah, the Bulls. Uh, the last three years, the last how more than three. By the way, at any point, did your grandfather grab you and put you in Dick Mata's arms to take a picture of you? Like, is that how it started? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Benny the Bull, for sure. Like, I have a Polaroid. I have a Polaroid. Have you, I, haven't I shown you the Polaroid I've not of, seen it. No. of um, Doug Collins and me in my jean jacket? I don't think so. From high school, I you never. Guys, you guys, you know what you should do when you're going because you'll go Doug's out to the got desert. The term, too. You guys should re re um, create that picture. Recreate that picture. Yeah, like Doug it. should get a perm, and you should bring a jean jacket. I got. I think it's in the desk that I'm sitting at. I'll. I'll send you should it tweet out. that out. Yeah. Doug's I, the greatest. I just, uh, Doug may be listening right oh, now. Here in it Arizona. is, right here. Here it is, right here. And a picture of me. Yeah, here it is. My jean jacket. And Doug's perm. I'll send it. And, and you know who's lurking over Doug's shoulder in this picture? How, Phil how Jackson. I, yes. How ironic is that? Well, Doug, Phil Jackson was always kind of standing off to the side, wasn't he? I mean, he was as an assistant coach, wasn't he? Yes. It's, it's ironic. It's me posing with Doug Collins on the court at the Chicago Stadium. And behind him, it was like a fan fest day. And behind him, there's Phil Jackson lurking. And then I would go on to actually do a monthly book report with Phil Jackson at, at one time. So funny. <laughs> that that was good television. Sitting down with Phil Jackson. And Phil was cool as hell. Yeah. And Phil would just be like, Tom, this is the book that I read, and I'd really like to explain it to your viewers. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love he it. He would do it. He would hand out the books to all the, yeah. all the Bulls players. All right. Yeah. Thank you to Great Clips for letting us relive these great moments, whether it's you know, weird memories that, you know, we hear on the broadcast are just talking about these great games. And that's number two. It's and been then, a fun uh, exercise. And then number one we'll uh, go through next week. I'm sure you know Justin what Fields. Yes. <laughs> we when Didn't we pick Justin Fields getting drafted already? Uh, um, yes, it was. It, yes, that was part of. So uh, we'll go through number one next week. I'll tweet out the picture of Doug, and I'll send I'll it to you, Waddle. i got to um, see this. All right, uh, coming up next, Waddle. We've gotten some tweets on uh, what uh, comparing Waddle's angst for the Reds and what it's similar it's to. Not angst. I'll, it's I'll not read angst. some of that it's coming reality. up next. Joker. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. They tweeted the picture. Waddle, you said that's excellent. You were surprised by something in the picture. I was. I thought that was like right in the era of when uh, I think it would have matched your uh, your your jacket, the cool look. How old were you then? Probably fifteen or sixteen. When did you 16? get your ear pierced? Probably that following summer. I was going to say, when did the Michael J- uh, Jordan hoop uh, become part of the uh, presentation, the repertoire? Yeah, yeah, like probably that next summer. Okay. Yeah. Did your mom know about it? Did Barb know about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was cool. You couldn't hide that. You couldn't get oh, that by that. You just, you know, you couldn't. Could you wear it at school? Yeah, yeah. You know? There were, there were. They didn't ban earrings at school. Oh, listen, it would, I didn't yeah, go to a private it? school. It went to Downs North. I didn't know what how what the rules were back then. Oh, in the eighties, you could do anything. Like guys would go out for smokes at, at break. We had a, a smoker's street. 
Did you really? Yeah, there was a cool. street like behind the school where we called it the Smoker Street. Did and you like, ever go out there and partake? No, I I didn't smoke. Just to hang out. I with never cool kids? I never liked smoking. There was no part of me that ever enjoyed smoking. Well, there was no part of you that really liked a jean jacket like that, but you wore that it. That jean jacket is sweet. That's a sweet jean jacket. Well, you look know, at that did, collar off. Did you think that that was look making that. you popular? Look at that feathered like a, hair. Is that feathered hair? Kind of, I think. Yeah. No? Who's got a better hairdo right there, you or Doug? <laughs> that perm. <laughs> Remember when the perm was like the rage? Yes. Ditka had one. I think he had. if you coached in Chicago, you had to have a perm. Yes, Ditka and, and Doug. Like, Phil Jackson at one point looked like he had some perm action going Did on, he? too. Really? I thought so. Um, Dave Todd says, uh, as far as you and your, your, Reds, uh, your Reds issues, says Waddle is breaking up with a cute girl before she breaks his heart. Yeah, I responded to, to him as well. I said, what did I say to him? I said, you yeah, said, she wrecked my car and burned my house down the last two nights. Uh, seems like a logical response on my behalf. <laughs> that's what you called it. Like the, that one, that's not accurate because you're still in first place. Like burning the house down would mean it's all over. That, that's like ending the season. Yeah. You're well, still I've, in first I've, place. Yeah, I know. I, I, I fan the way that I fan. I'm sorry it you know, disturbs you. By the way, I've never at any point suggested my team trade a player. So I'm just suggesting that, you know, maybe you ought to look at yourself right, in the get mirror out of here. tonight. Uh, who was helping you back there, Charlie? Was it Justin? Justin Pottinger, yep. Thanks to Justin and Charlie well done, back guys. at the shop. We've got uh, Bears Weekly coming up next with are we Joni Akinthayer. Are we doing Unhinged tomorrow, too? Yes, we, we have an Unhinged plan. Okay. And we're talking to Tom Thayer tomorrow. Oh, Tom Thayer. Yes. Will he actually be at camp tomorrow? Does he like football again? Oh, them fighting words. Ask Joni Ak to ask him that. <laughs> with, I think they're all business on Bears Weekly. Yes. And then, uh, and then uh, thank you as well to Boog Shiambi. But. Can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. For Waddle, I'm Sylvie. It's ESPN 1000. Have yourself a great Thursday night.